No, y'all ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Ready. What? Ooh, all right. Everybody's on for Mother's <laughs> Day. Quick um, housekeeping note. I am coming uh, across from my computer my telephone because it appears when you spill an alcoholic beverage on your laptop keyboard it dies <laughs> yep yep no bad but everybody else everybody else is connected this week on with the bushes is taking you to new, new york, york city. city we've been spending a lot of time there we have it's almost like you live there yeah you would think or something Oh, we haven't like, been there in two months. But. Yeah, true. I mean, who else moves to Brooklyn during a pandemic? <laughs> we are doing the 1959 fluff piece pillow talk. Yes. Oh, particular. I am doing. I am doing the intro. Oh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'll start off by saying this might have been my favorite movie yet. <gasps> it was very delightful. Guys. Which I don't know what that says about me, but. I laughed out loud a lot. Yeah. I it know, was way but... better than I. Th I've always heard of this film, Pillow Talk, but I, I didn't realize that it was just a straight up romantic comedy. Yeah, straight I didn't up. know yeah. that. Um, Sex comedy was a type of movie until now. Yeah, rom-com. <laughs> when Jan Morrow, an uptight interior decorator. I just want to stop there. In 1959, she was an interior decorator. When I was graduating high school, I thought I could be a nurse, a teacher, or a secretary. I couldn't type well enough to be a secretary because frequently my fingers would be on the wrong keys. Mm -hmm. Yes, we know. <laughs> I wasn't smart enough to be a nurse because they have to know some math. So I went for teacher. I would have loved to have been an interior decorator. You would have been a good interior decorator. Is forced to share a party line. Wait, does everybody know what a party line is? I had the nerd alerted. It's in my nerd alerts. Yeah, I oddly enough, I'd heard of it recently through something. Well, my aunt, it was cheaper to have a party line where you had two people on one telephone line and you had to share it with somebody else. And that was cheaper than to have your own landline. Yeah, so that, my family had our own landline, but my aunt had a party line. And that party line, that other person like is nowhere near your house, right? It's not like your neighbor or something. They no, can be yeah. It's on just on the other just side of town. Yeah, that exactly. was wild. I thought they were in the same building and stuff. A complete stranger. And <laughs> and we used to just enjoy listening in on her party line to other people's <laughs> conversations. It was fascinating. That would be fascinating. Okay. But she's I've heard uptight. of it in like farm communities and stuff. They were all on the same line. So that made sense to me. But... As far as like a city, how it's like this person lives here and they're connected to this this party right. line, and that I thought that was just weird. And evidently, when telephones first came to New York City, there were more people than than the infrastructure could handle, and so everybody had a party line unless you had like a medical emergency 
or something that or you got were pregnant. You your own like being pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with carefree boyfriend Brad Allen, there's no connection between them. But when the two accidentally meet, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> comedy. Accident. Romantic comedy. Yes, they did accidentally meet, but there's a whole That's lot true. more involved that is rather freaky. Okay, Aaron, the particulars. Pillow Talk. It was released on October 7th, 1959. Oh, that's not my particulars. Ah, here they are. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> Directed by Michael Gordon. Nerd alert. Yes, he's Joseph Gordon-Levitt's grandfather. Oh, mm -hmm. he directed films from 1942 to 1951, and then he was blacklisted. And this pillow talk marks his return from being blacklisted. He was blacklisted because he was Jewish. No, he was blacklisted when they all got well, blacklisted. Right, but, I mean, for for real though. Oh, probably because he, since he was Jewish, he was a communist. Maybe right, right. I mean, okay. that's what the, they were going by. I think right. he, he probably didn't name names, and so that's why he got blacklisted. Ah. Um, he also, so he directed Boston Blackie Goes to Hollywood, One Ooh, Dangerous Night. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Crime Doctor, Cyrano de Bergerac, and Boys Night Out, to name a few. Huh. It's produced by Ross Hunter, who also produced Imitation of Life. Hello. Magnificent Obsession and Backstreet. Tammy oh. and the Bachelor and Airport. And also Martin Melcher, who was the husband of Doris Day, who also produced Julie, Don't Eat the Daisies, and That Touch of Mink. Nerd alert. This is fun. He died in 1968. And upon his death, Doris Day found out that he had committed her to starring in the Doris Day show on CBS without her knowing it. Oh, no. And he had embezzled millions of her dollars of hers through poor investments and left her seriously in debt. No. So she sued her business part, his business partner, and after a 99-day trial... Doris Day was awarded $23 million in damages, but the business partner declared bankruptcy. Of so course. So she got $6 million in 23 annual payments. Which So each of those payments was $260,000. Wait. <laughs> $260,000. $169.57. Thank you, Mrs. Gray, for teaching Erin her place value. <laughs> she didn't teach me that. I was in second grade. Obs. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was written by Russell Rouse, who also wrote Nothing But Trouble, The Thief, and Thunder in the Sun, Maurice Richland, Operation Petticoat, All in a Night's Work, a Soldier in the Rain, Stanley Shapiro, Lover Come Back, That Touch of Mink, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and Clarence Green, The Well, The Town That Went Wild, The Fastest Gun Alive, and DOA. 
The music is by Frank DeVol. He had four Oscar nominations. He attended the universe. He attended Miami University in Ohio. Mm-hmm. He was Whoa. most famous for the ar- arrangement for Nat King Cole's song "Nature Boy." And his four Oscar nominations were for Pillow Talk, Hush Hush, Sweet Charlotte, Cat Baloo, and Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. I've seen all of them. You've seen Cat Baloo? Oh, yes, I have. Oh. The director of photography is Arthur E. Arling, who also worked on Gone with the Wind, The Yearling, I'll Cry Tomorrow, and Ski Party. (laughs) Wow, that seems (laughs) divergent. I know, that's why I liked it. Um, it was edited by Milton Carruth. He edited 129 films, including Imitation of Life, All Quiet on the Western Front, and Shadow of a Doubt. Starring Rock Hudson as Brad Allen. He was in uh-huh. Magnificent Obsession, Giant, Send Me No Flowers, Lover Come Back. From 1957 to 1964, he was the most voted in the top 10 as a most popular star in America. He was also in Macmillan and Wife. Yes, and, he was. And I knew him, I don't know, sadly or tragically, he was like the first person that I, I only knew him from his death because he died of AIDS and I was five. Right. And that was right. huge news. So I that's never. When he, that's when he officially came out of the closet. Yeah. I, that's, and so that my whole life, that's all I've known of Rock Hudson. I had no yeah. idea he was such a fantastically charming film presence. Yeah. Oh. Seems like he would have been part of the Rat Pack. Was he not running around with those guys? He reminded no. me of Dean Martin. Yeah, me too. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I was just because picking up of on his, but, but But have you guys the watched sip, the Hollywood, Hollywood? No, I've been oh, starting. Now I want to. Yeah. Because evidently they had to do a lot of work to get him to be an actor. I mean, he had the presence. He was 6'4", gorgeous. But they had to uh, they had to work with him to get him to be an, able to deliver lines believably. Yeah, he could never remember his lines. Yeah. Well, I believed him in this movie. <laughs> I know. Um... Oh, his real name is Roy Harold Shearer Jr. He served in World War II. He was a in the Navy as a aircraft mechanic. His Harry Wilson gave him the name Rock Hudson from Harry Wilson. Yeah, you got to watch Hollywood to see that dude was. Yeah, there was somebody else that he was. He, that we like we did a movie and he also was one of Harry Wilson's people. Mm-hmm. And and oh man, I forget it. But remember, because it was like, oh, he also represented Rock Hudson and Tab Hunter. There you go. Yeah. All those um, gorgeous men. He got so he got it from combining Rock of Gibraltar, Rock of Gibraltar and Hudson River. Oh. Yeah, there you go. I knew it came from Hudson River. Um, Doris Day as Jan Marrow. We knew her when we did The Man Who Knew Too Much. Yes. She was also in Calamity Jane, That Touch of Mink, The Pajama Game, Send Me No Flowers. Her real name is Doris Mary Ann Kappelhoff. And she was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. 
Was wow. she? Couple mm-hmm. connections. Steven Spielberg, Sarah Jessica Parker, Sarah Jessica Parker, Sarah Jessica Parker, Parker. <laughs> and Doris Day. Tony Randall as Jonathan Forbes. He's best known as Felix, Felix Unger in The Hot Odd Couple. Jeez. Will Success Spoil Rock Hunter, Lover Come Back, and Everything You Wanted to Know About Sex Were Too Afraid to Ask, and also The Alphabet Murders. You used to love that movie. You and Eric used to watch that movie. Everything You Wanted to Know About Sex But Were Afraid to Ask. You watched really? it Really? <laughs> yeah. You always talked about the sperm, you know, and the one black one in there. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, you guys uh, love that movie. We have to watch it. I remember Spaceballs. I don't remember this. Who let us yeah, watch like- this? <laughs> Everybody. Come on. Come on. All right. Also, Thelma Ritter. Thelma it. My Ritter. As Alma. So we know her. From Miracle on 34th Street, All About Eve, Rear Window. She's in this. Also, The Misfits. Nick Adams as Tony Walters. He was also in Rebel Without a Cause, Picnic. He was uncredited in The Sweet Smell of Success. And he was in a TV show called The Rebel. Yes, he was. I used to watch it all the time. Johnny Rebel. Yeah, Confederate soldier. Okay, question. Yeah. I read that Rock Hudson said he wouldn't do the movie unless this dude had a part. Yes. I read that too. And so were they involved? Well, here's the thing. I I did a bit of not quite a deep dive, but I read some interesting things. So gather around folks for Aaron's Everybody, uh, take a drink. Half ass and off the cuff trying to to concise what she remembered reading yesterday. Yes. After a couple of mint juleps. So, this guy, he was probably more famous for being really good friends with James Dean and then Elvis Presley. Like his Wikipedia page has two distinct things. It's like James Dean, Elvis Presley. I saw that. So, I'm going, oh. So, are we throwing James Dean and Elvis Presley in this mix? I don't know. But... Rock Hudson did say that he was only going to be in it without, unless he was in it. And right. as you can see from the film, he was a short man. So yeah. I'm he, not going to say how that could be convenient or anything. Well, oh, wow. <laughs> so he ended up dying from a, like his death is. Some people think it was accidental. Some people think it was suicide. And some people think it was murder. Have have our murderinos done this? Done his death? I don't know. Because it was one of those, you know, the pill deaths where it was an overdose. Oh, okay. He died relatively young in, yeah. like in his 30s. So that was like in the 60s. But the people who think that it was murder... Uh-huh. They believe that he was about to, because t- he was married and had kids and stuff. But they believe that he was about to tell tales and he name was about names. to drop the dime. Yeah, mm-hmm. on on all these people that he had uh-huh. seen out and about. So the studio had him off. 
I'm just saying it's an it's a it's a it's a question out there. Yeah. Or, you know, he was just the guy that it never came together in Hollywood and you know, he didn't become James Dean and he wasn't Rock Hudson and you know, had to to just earn his living and maybe he had gotten disappointed in how things turned out. Or maybe and he, he jumped off the Hollywood sign. No, that wasn't him. Never mind. No, he he took pills. You'll understand pills. when you watch Hollywood. Oh man, I so I wrote my notes in pencil this week, and I spilled some liquid on them. So let's see if I can see. <laughs> better liquid on pencil than liquid on keyboards. Yeah. Okay. okay. So is that the end of our particular? No. So that was Nick Adams, and then we have Marcel. Dalio as Mr. Perot. He was also in okay. Grand Illusion, The Rules of the Game, and To Have and Have Not, and Sabrina. And those. The Sabrina with, wait, the Sabrina with Audrey Hepburn? Yeah. Oh, we're going to do that one one day. Have we already done it? No, we haven't. Okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> we start with Doris Day singing the song Pillow Talk, and it is a split screen of two people laying down with their legs up in the air in pajamas, tossing pillows back and forth as she sings Pillow Talk as the credits roll. I, for I a, for a very long time. It went on for a while. It went on for a it very long time. Long. It was too long, but... Before it was like, oh geez, it was very enjoyable. It, was it really, mm-hmm. really set yeah. the tone. It was very nice, uh, very brightly colored. I was like, oh right. man, this is happy. This is so maybe question. like thirty seconds too long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe even more. Yeah. yeah. But um, was this the first use of split screen this way? Because they used a lot of split oh. screen. No. <gasps> no TV. <laughs> Just emphatically no it is not and that's the only answer no <laughs> well okay maybe it was but i read that one of the parts <laughs> she walked it back so no well <laughs> <laughs> the scene when they're in the bathtub was yes. very reminiscent of another movie that i had never heard about where there's like i only saw a picture of it but there's a lady laying in a bed on the bottom of the screen and on her back and in the top of the screen is a man with like, I don't know, maybe he's doing push-ups or something. Yeah, I'm sure. But you can imagine what that looks like. Oh. Yes. And it was like, but I didn't read if that came before or after Pillow Talks. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Because they used a lot of split screen. Okay, then we have Doris Day getting dressed and she is just in her slip for a lot of this. And she picks up the phone and there's a woman and a man, Brad, already on it, and he's singing a song. I noticed the pink countertops, which I gotta say, no, nobody needs pink countertops. The, the Liz Bush School of Interior Design gives that's pink right the, countertops I been, an I, F. I could have <laughs> owned this industry. Okay, so then Doris Day tries again, and she's frustrated, and she interrupts because we realize she is on a party line. And she and the other person on the party line, Brad, argue. And then it looks like Doris Day is setting out a Bloody Mary, but she is not on the countertop. 
And then there's a new woman on the phone, and he sings her the same song, only he's using Italian. She interrupts again. And so then they talk trash to each other and how she brightens up her drab little life by listening in on his. I used to lighten up my drab little life by listening in. And then we go to an elevator, and Thelma Ritter <laughs> is her cleaning lady, her, her housekeeper, housekeeper, her... Um, Anyway, she is there. She is coming off the elevator with a severe hangover. And the tomato juice that was laid out was for her. She takes off her hat. She has an ice bag on her head. Hilarious. Because yeah, she's great. been out drinking. Thelma Ritter. Ugh, she makes every scene. Doris Day is at the phone uh, trying to, oh, she's at the phone company now trying to get her own landline. And she is saying that the other guy is lewd and lucivious. <laughs> lucivious? Okay. And and the, the person on the other end of the phone company is saying the only way to get one is to be pregnant. Yes, because it can and, only be a, in case of a, uh, an emergency because there's a long waiting list in New York. And you only get bumped up if it's an emergency, like you're pregnant. Right. And she is saying that the person on, on her party line, thank you, is a sex maniac. <laughs> and his carrying on is bothering her. Well, they say, okay, if he's a sex maniac, we're going to send an inspector out. Okay. Now we're at interiors. Uh, her, I thought she owned the home decorating place but she didn't yeah yeah i was like oh it's the 50s tony randall shows up in a sports car and he says it's hers because she had redone his offices and she says she can't accept it okay okay then there's talk at the interior decorated place where they have a and uh, on recline. Well, did we already find out that Tony Randall has the hots for her? I think that we did when he's trying to give her, give the, her the car. Interesting that both of her um, uh, people who are interested in her sexually are both homosexual. Just saying. Okay, moving on. Tony Randall? Have you seen Tony Randall? Yeah, but he, I mean, he got married. He had kids when he was like 75. That doesn't mean a thing. Okay, <laughs> so um, Mrs. Walters was the difficult client. She has this fertility, an African fertility goddess oh, in yeah. her hand, which she calls a savage little thing. That's right. Hope somebody put that down the negative reheatables but she's having a housewarming tomorrow because jan had redone her house and she wanted everybody to come see it okay now we're at brad's apartment and the inspector from the phone company comes and she's a woman and she opens the door and sees brock hudson my only 
my only point of reference would be you open the door and you see Paul Newman. Interesting. Where you go, excuse me? (laughs) Just let me talk to you a moment. So, now I, uh, so anyway, the inspection obviously went toward Rock Hudson, in Rock Hudson's favor. Yeah, she's like, there's nothing to see here. He's he's divine. Except him, Yeah. yeah. Let's look at him a little longer. We're back in the elevator, and the elevator goes, wah, wah, and it says the complaint was unwarranted. And um, Doris Day likens it to a marshmallow put out in a bonfire. Mm-hmm. You know, like like a woman comes and looks at him and goes, yeah, everything is okay. Okay. So at this point, Brad, on the other line of her party line, calls Doris Day directly, and they argue. Um, uh, he says she's fascinated by his affairs, and he says she's a woman who lives alone, and she has bed bedroom problems. And so Doris Day suggests a schedule. Every hour to half hour can be Rock Hudson's on the phone line. Every half hour to hour would be hers on the phone line. And that was a great solution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Thelma Ritter says, you know, he makes good sense. And the only thing worse than a woman living alone is saying she likes it. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> At this point, artwork is delivered to Tony Randall's office, and it is a modern piece of art. Oh, yeah, I didn't, yeah, like blocks of color and stuff, something. Yeah, Yeah. And, and he says, marry me, and she says, I don't love you, and he goes, well, you haven't even kissed me, so he kisses her, and um, nothing happens. And he says, you know, we didn't hit the moon with the first missile shot either. So Thelma Riddle, Ritter, enjoys listening in on the party line. And uh, Doris Day is mad because it's her half hour. Uh, Then they argue some more. Don't ever do it again. Get off my back. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) And he says to her, plenty of warm rolls are in the bakery shop. Stop pressing your nose against the glass. Yeah. I missed that one. That's a good Uh, one. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, Thelma Ritter shows up at Brad's apartment. No, maybe Tony Tony Randall, because they (laughs) both are TRs. Wow, interesting. I hadn't noticed that. Thelma Ritter just go get it Thelma Ritter now and you guys can step in at any moment Uh, Tony Randall shows up at Brad's apartment and he is bankrolling a show that Rock Hudson is writing songs for yeah so the audience you go you're like oh snap this guy's in love Tony Randall's in love with Jan Doris Day and Rock Hudson's on the party line, and they know each other. What? 
Yeah, freaky. And he is bankrolling this, I believe, Broadway show. Yes, I believe for two hundred thousand well. dollars. He said that a couple times. Which in today's money would be one point seven million. Wow. Yeah, but but can you imagine if you had put one point seven million into Hamilton? Wow. <sighs> okay. Uh, minority group millionaires. Don't know what that means. Anybody? Oh, the, Tony Randall oh, said yeah. that um, he's a part of a minority group because he's a millionaire. And it's hard for him. Oh, yeah. He was like, when I started college, all I had was $8 million. And now all I have is still just $8 million. <laughs> yeah. He said it's hard for him to get up in life. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And, yeah. And but this guy, but Brad's like making something of himself. Yeah. And um, then Brad goes, who's the girl? Because I've only heard you be this way when you are in love with somebody. And Cause, he, yeah, because Tony... Um, Tony Randall's been married a few times. Yeah. Three, I funny believe. It, funny it didn't work out. And uh, <laughs> Tony Randall says she claims she doesn't want to marry me. And um, she shares a party line with some nuts. And then he, t- Tony... <laughs> Sorry. We're in the middle of my second of three drinks. So... <laughs> Tony Randall tells Rock Hudson he needs to quit chasing all the women. And all that uh, Rock Hudson says is why to every single question. Much like Adam's second year of life. Oh, why? Why? Anything you said to him was... Got these questions. Uh, I don't think much has changed there. Why? Ah, why? 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 Brad calls Jan again, and he goes, I want to reappraise our relationship over a cup of coffee. At this point, Rock Hudson knows who Jan is. And, like, knows that his best friend is in love with her and is just like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going to go after her now. Yes, because I'm just going to fuck with her. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm just... Um, some jokes are just too obvious to be funny. Ooh, that's, that's truck kind of close to home. (laughs) Okay. There's a woman in Brad's apartment and he's saying she's the inspiration for the same song he's been singing. Yeah. He sings all the ladies, the same song and just chain throws their name in. He's really good at it though. Yeah. Like he doesn't mess it up. Well, Jan is leaving the housewarming, and um, the son of the woman who's having the housewarming says, oh, my son will drive you back into town. Yeah, that's Tony. Outside of her apartment looked like to me a New Jersey housewife's fountain. Well, they were in Scarsdale, New York. Oh, okay. Okay. Is so that the rich like, place? Like, were there estates? I don't know anything about Scarsdale, but it's like I, New York State. It's oh. like 23 minute, miles outside of the city right. or something. I think it would be upstate New York housewives. Okay. 
Well, we cut to Brad's apartment where he has Matt Lauer switches. Oh, he does. <laughs> he does. <laughs> the door's locked yeah. and everything. Yep. The door's locked. The lights are off. The records are on. Yeah. Then we switch back to Jan in the car of the son of the woman whose house she did. And he's trying to make out with her. And he's she assaulting says, her. I've never seen a boy with so many arms before. And then he says, just go out for a drink with me. So they end up at the Copa del Rico. And they are in a booth. And at the very next booth, a la the man who knew too much, sits Brad and Marie. So Brad and Jan, who've never laid eyes on each other, are a booth apart in a club in New York City. What are the chances? And Jan and Tony are together, and Tony is drunk, and Brad hears her call, hears him call her Miss Morrow. And he's, and then... Brad says to her, oh, wait, one, oh, no, 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 no. rewind. So Tony, the young dude, the son, says, one dance and I'll let you go home. So she gets up to dance and she has quite a fancy dress on. She does, and she's walking to the dance floor, and that's when Rock Hudson just, like, gets mesmerized by her ass. (laughs) By her ass. Nerd alerts or tasty nuggets about her Clothing. Go nerd tasty. <laughs> okay, I'll do this one now. Um, they, well, I was reading, and I don't know if this is true, but because her dress was like pretty tight and all white, and it was talking about how she's kind of like, she's kind of like uptight. I mean, she's like powerful she woman. Uptight. A little bit of uptight there. And then when she goes on her like first date, spoiler alert, with Brad. His name's Brad, right? Yeah, but His at that point, he he comes up with right. a text. Right, well, but like, I just never knew people were named Brad in the fifties. I don't know. Oh. I just thought that was a newer thing, a newer name, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, she was wearing like an emerald green, and to signify like her like not knowing, and she was like, like she didn't know that he was pretending to be this other person, oh. and. And then towards the end, you see she's in her red dress. But Interesting. Oh, another point, her hair. Her hair is the opposite of a... Bob? No. Washing go? The, the, bo- uh, the Billy Ray Cyrus. Mullet. A mullet? A, a mullet, because her hair is party in the front, business in the back. Mm, yeah. Oh. I liked it. Her hair was fucked up. I mean, she did the French roll in the back, but what was that stuff in the front? Okay, it was a very so anyway. Buffon, but I, my question was, I know it's just a movie, and that's why it be, you know, they're just being glamorous, but I was just curious if in real life how Jan Morrow would go about, like what time did she wake up to do her hair? To get that hair, yeah, uh, yeah, fluffy in the front, and then in a in a wait a French not wait, wait was you, it fr- it was a 
So that wasn't her haircut? A French roll in the back. It was a French roll. It so, was like the like the Aunt Daisy in the back. Oh. I thought <gasps> it was just It was cut. a total Aunt Daisy. Yeah, it was. in the front, roll in the oh, back. Yeah. Mm, that puts a whole new light on this movie. Okay, well, Tony, the young dude, is drunk. And he ends up on the floor. Yeah, he just falls asleep on the floor. Yeah, he can't get up off of the floor. And then um, Rock Hudson comes and helps helps her out, but he decides to do a Texas accent. <laughs> Yeah, did yeah, because he realized who she was, and when he heard him call her that, and he said, "So that's what the what's on the end of my party line." Yeah. <laughs> so after he, he looked at her butt, so he did the Texas accent because to hide his voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's heard his voice oh, before. Right, and he is now Mr. Rex Stetson. And he says, I never drink anything stronger than you are or older than you are. <laughs> it made no sense to me. Okay. <clears throat> then, I don't understand. I can't stand a man who tries to take advantage of a woman. Let me see you home. So he's like being the perfect gentleman to her. Mm-hmm. And I have her her beehive hair. Now the funniest scene comes next. Where, what kind of car was that? Anybody <laughs> deep dive into the car? No, I, didn't know what that was. I did, but I forget. So he is trying to get his six foot four frame into this car. We, I had a friend, Donis, who had a Toyota Celica, I think in uh the early 2000s and she drove us to graduate school one time and i literally had to put my back on the ground to to get my feet out of her car (laughs) (laughs) and you're five foot three (laughs) yeah uh, two probably and okay so anyway let me see he wants to see her home to make sure she gets home safely he's like the opposite of the true what he really is because he's pulling a scam on jan morrow mm-hmm. okay they share a laugh about him not being able to get his whole body in the car there's the elevator again, and she says to him, do you want to come in for coffee? And he's saying, I ain't used to these hours. <laughs> and they shake hands at her door, which is she thinks he's okay. So he's the opposite of the help me the dad player. Player. Okay, so she is so in love because it's a man she can trust while he is pulling a whole scam. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Mad Libs. (laughs) But you're there for me. A full scam on her. Um, And I'm saying they're laughing at duping an unsuspecting woman. Yeah, that was cruel. 
And there's lots of voiceover, what she's thinking in her, in her head, what he's thinking in his head. She's in, the phone rings, it's Rex. There's a cut screen. They're both in bed. Split screen. What did I? Oh, okay. Cut screen. There's a dinner date. Pretends Brad is interrupting. Pretends because Brad Jonathan is comes in and Brad sees oh, him. Oh, he and pretends to be Brad when he's being Rex. Yes, it's be, a lot to keep track. Yeah, of. because it's the classic. You know, Jonathan proposed to Jan. Jan doesn't know that Brad is really that Rex is really Brad. So he right. so he comes in. It gets him in the lobby as his coat is being checked and says, hey, could you do me a solid? I'm on this date, but it's not going well. You know, take over for me. And so, he, you know, Jonathan's like, oh, all right, who is she? You know, and he like completely throws this woman under the bus, like calls her yeah. moose. She was eating by himself. He stands behind Jonathan and waves his oh, hand. Oh, it was awful. Yeah, and she I was so pissed. She off waved this part. back, and then Jonathan no, sees her. She was a large woman who you assume because she's large, she is not worth your time to even talk about. Yeah, until so Jonathan just was like, "That's all right, I'm good," and he just hightails it out of there. So, you know, on one hand, Brad completely knew what the deal was like how to manipulate his friend he knew how shallow his friend was so he needed to get his friend out of there so he could continue the date and bada bing the date to continue to manipulate jan into thinking she was with a person who actually cared about values and such at which point wait wait adam what was your question what what was John doing there in the first place? He just came, checked his coat, and then he was like, oh, no, like, I don't want to be with that girl. And then he left. Well, why was he there in the first yeah, place? Yeah, wait. He came for dinner. Yeah. And Brad goes over to him and goes, hey, I've got this hot thing oh, for okay. you. And he goes, wow, if it's between me eating or starving and eating with this woman who is a full-figured woman, I'd rather starve. I think it's another oh, one of those yeah. coincidences where he, that's one of his places that he goes to a lot. And so then he, that's what he. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. At which point Rex says to Jan, you know, you're like being around a pop belly stove on a frosty morning. She did not get enough of that. She was going to bed and like, my mm, pop belly stove. She was. <laughs> Yeah, it was going to be warm and comfy. So the phone rings. Brad is overhearing. Don't go out with this phony. Just trying to lure you into the nearest barn. Find excuse. Stop off at hotel. Oh, so Brad is telling. Stop. It's not nice. It's Mother's Day. Okay. So Brad is on the phone telling Jan, yeah, I know what's happening next. This phony dude Rex is going to try to lure you and he's going to find an excuse to stop off at his hotel. And we know what's going to happen once he gets to the hotel. Bada bing, bada boom. So 
evidently Jan and Rex are at dinner and they're dancing and they're driving by his hotel and he goes, wait a minute, I need to stop to get my coat, it's cold. So she has Brad in her head saying, he's just trying to get you up to bed. But he goes up and he goes, oh, these are comfortable beds and I have a great view of Central Park. And she is doing the silent treatment, which, let me tell you, falls short on any male species. They, it, they think the silent treatment is the best thing that ever happened <laughs> it's to them. It's a reward. It is. Oh, it's a like reward. <laughs> I don't care what, what caused this, but thank you for the silent treatment. Okay, and then he gets his coat and says, let's go. And she goes, oh, my God, you really came up here just for your coat? And I just had to make sure you're not like the others. So they go for a, dr- a carriage drive in Central Park. Question. Go ahead. Was this all part of his ruse to rent yes! a hotel room at, like, the Ritz-Carlton? <laughs> Every fucking bit of it. He, yeah, he, yes! he committed deeply to this <laughs> He's bit. He's committed spiritually. He's committed emotionally. He's committed financially to this ruse. Well, this was one of my favorite quotables and the carriage ride. When they, they, I liked when they had all of the thoughts that would, they uh-huh. would just think things. The internal yeah. monologue. Yeah. And she's going, there's something so wholesome about a man who loves animals. <laughs> and he's going, I hope the stupid horse knows where he's supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> and then I didn't know if it was the horse. Was he driving the carriage? Yeah, because in the hit carriage guy. No, it was the horse that said, I'm glad she's not my daughter. Yes. No, it yes. wasn't the horse. It was the it was the the, the real driver. driver who's sitting back the in the carriage part. Yeah, he was sitting <laughs> back in the carriage part because then it goes to his internal monologue, and he's just mad doggy Rock Hudson. Like he he mentioned how tight he was gripping the reins and stuff, and then he was just like, "I'm glad she's not my daughter." Which is, I think, how Adam and Christine came together over the love of animals. Oh, oh! I was like, we have never taken a carriage ride. <laughs> no. We looked at so a wedding now- venue that offered that, but that that, that didn't make the cut. <laughs> we didn't. So make now the cut. there's another dinner. Tony Randall walks in, and at this point. Who pretends to be on the telephone? A la me with Coretta, Coretta Scott, Scott King. King. Oh, I don't remember. Come talk her off my hands. Oh, Jonathan, I want you to. Okay, there was that was the large lady. Okay, then there's a whole montage of of Jan and Brad in New York City. Oh yeah, that was cool. Oh yeah, they're having a good old yeah. time. Yeah, then we're back to the elevator with Thelma Ritter. Oh, man, great. At this point, there's the bubble bath where it's a split screen where Jan is in the bubble bath and Rex is in his bathtub and they their feet touch and there's the whole thing. Ooh. Made me glad. Uh, and Tex says to her, you made me glad I ate in Texas. 
Um, he wants a date tomorrow night. She says, I already have a date with Jonathan. He goes, I'll pick you up at eight. She says, I'll be ready at eight. Um, at which point Thelma Ritter says to her, a 6.6 opportunity don't come along every day. It only takes one sip of wine to know it's a good bottle. Yeah. I like that quote. That's Thelma Ritter. It only takes one sip of wine. Yeah. Woohoo. And um, Tony Randall is saying, if you love him, you know you're going to have to live out there in Texas. Lived there for three years. Okay, leaving Jonathan. Okay, so Doris Day is in Jonathan, Tony Randall's business complex, and she's leaving, and Brad is coming in. And Brad has to hide out, so he goes into the obstetrics office, door, mm-hmm. and he makes an appointment for himself. He doesn't know that it's the obstetrics. Yeah, he doesn't. And he says, yeah. And so, okay, all that unfolds, and it's been an hour. Hilarity ensues. All right, we're about to spoil this for y'all, so y'all go watch it. It's great. It's light. It's a fun. fun it's a Fun. If you enjoy, it's colorful, it's vibrant. Wouldn't you say if you enjoyed like, um, you've got mail, or yeah. down with love, like th- those kind of romantic comedies? Yeah. If that's your bag, then go check out Pillow Talk. Yeah, yeah. It's a total '60s rom com. Mm-hmm. But I, well, I think it holds. There's some things that it doesn't hold up very well, but for the most part, yeah, I was are. very surprised by just how charming the, the film was. Well, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. We are to POCs. I had a total of three with the jazz ensemble. Oh, yeah. but you're miscounting the five Latino band members at the restaurant. I guess I oh. am. Mm-hmm. So I had a total of eight. I didn't see any... Uh, people of Asian persuasion. No, we they're our least represented demographic mm-hmm. in the okay. POC count. Nerd alerts. We have not already alerted. Okay. Well, so this was released the beginning of October 1959. So leading up to that in 1959. Alaska became the 49th state. Hmm. Wow, 1959. Yes, I might have said 49. I meant 59. Fidel Castro arrived in Havana. 59. Yeah. Motown Records was founded. Damn. 1959, the day the music died. Richie Valens, Buddy Holly, and the Big Bopper died in a plane crash. Okay. A Raisin in the Sun opened on Broadway. Wow, okay. Black people on Broadway. Miles Davis had his recording sessions for Kind of Blue. Hmm. Bonanza premiered. <gasps> Drink! That was a Bonanza, wow. motherfuckers. <laughs> Bonanza, motherfuckers. If, if the show went by titles based on quotes in yeah, the podcast um, bonanza motherfuckers would be the name of this episode 
And the Twilight Zone premiered on CBS. Wow. So we already wow. mentioned the party line. Um, just going back briefly, there's an article called Use of, of Split Screen called The Aesthetics of Display, How Split Screen Remediates Other Media by Malte Hagner. And the basis of that article is basically through its integrated split screens, the cinema functions as a guide to and user manual of the changes and possibilities of technological information. Yeah, I thought the split screen was really good in that. So the split screens, most there's 10 in total. There, It's the telephone conversations. Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's a, and the, this article goes into how it's about like telephone and stuff. And it makes sense because it goes back and forth. But then there are no split screens in the last act of the movie. Because they've come together. Because they've come together. Mm-hmm. Um, the there were uh, Doris Day had twenty four costumes. They were designed by the French costume director Jean Jean Louise. Louis. Louis. Mm-hmm. She had some good costumes in this. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know how she could afford them on a, a decorator budget. She seems like a pretty good one. Yes, she did. Yeah, she must have been outstanding. Yeah, because they had to, they rented one and a half million dollars worth of jewels for her outfits. Mm-hmm. I didn't even notice the jewels, but I did notice the couture. Well, the, the producer, Ross Hunter, because critics would dismiss it as fluff, um, mm-hmm. but he said, quote, I gave the public what they wanted. A chance to dream, to live vicariously, to see beautiful women, jewels, gorgeous clothes, melodrama. Yeah, lots of Mm -hmm. fur. And you know what? If I'm going to do fur, it's going to be real. Or else I'm not going to do fur. There you go. You've heard it there. And this reinvented Doris Day. And it was like, oh, Doris Day is sexy now. Because Doris Day was always the girl next door. And so the first thing we I see is Doris Day's I thought she was this legs. week's Imagine Life. I really did at the beginning. Oh, no, we got it pretty early. And then I did the thing I always do with Imagine Life where I, I'm like, no. I like I second guess because they're so clever in their things. But it was so... Don't spoil it, Ma. Okay. I promise. But there were big clues they gave it away where you're like, oh. There were, but I was like, that's too obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, yeah, so we alerts. are to. Did, were there any other nerd alerts? Anybody else? Um, Anybody? Well, I had one about the party lines. Oh yes. Because mm-hmm. um, there were laws that were passed about party lines and the use of them. And in 1955, a woman was indicted after her refusal to end her call delayed another subscriber's report of a fire. <gasps> wow. And there were also laws about people penal- that penalized people who faked emergencies to gain access to the lines. Wow. I believe that. Can you imagine having party lines now? No, just how because big everybody dicks everybody their own would be. Line. Yeah. I mean, you had to be you had to be a person who realized you were not the center of the universe. And other people also needed to use this telephone line. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that anymore. 
Everybody thinks they're the center of the universe. What they have to say matters more than anybody else. But now, is that because everyone has their own telephone line now? Hmm? It's because we're fucked. Bring back the <laughs> okay. party. My other, I'm sorry, I have another nerd alert. My other nerd alert, which is kind of a tasty nugget. Um, Spanish TV screened this movie on July 20th, 1969, while everyone was waiting for the Apollo to land on the moon. So really? it's a film stopped and Spanish people couldn't see the end of the ending until they showed it in 1999. <laughs> oh my God. That's a long there, way. I mean, there, there's some, what's the grandma? Oh, Abuela. Spanish. Abuela. Who was like, how did this movie end? I don't Wait, care. I mothered her for 30 years. Yeah. They were just like, I don't care about the space landing. Goes, Are you fucking kidding me? She went back with him? Okay. Uh, reheatables negatives. Tini? Um, the toxic masculinity was mine. Yes. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, <laughs> party lines. Yes. I mean, overall, I thought his player switches were pretty cool, but the one that made the door lock <laughs> that was that was <laughs> problematic. I was with him on everything else. I was like, oh, that's uh -huh. yeah, that happened. I was like, oh, total Matt Flower. Yeah, that it's night. Like the bed comes out, you you get the the record player, the lights <laughs> go down. I was like, this is awesome. And then the lock, I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, those are my negatives. Okay. My negatives were, yes, the Matt Lauer switch. That the woman of substance needs to be, um, you know, laughed at. That a woman needs a man to be able to fulfill her life. That the whole man duping the woman... I mean, the whole movie was about him duping her into thinking he's somebody else. Um, but in the end, he, don't you think that he ended up duping himself? Because he dupes her. Okay, this, okay. apologize and Ooh, bear with me. Ouch! Everybody take a drink. He, so he dupes her because he is like, oh, that's that bitch that's always up in my business on the party line. And he, well, uh, he gets magnetized by her ass. And so then he was like, well, let me see what that's connected to. But he can't go over to her with his voice. So he had to come up with a, his own a character. And then yeah. once he then so he's doing the character, but then he becomes smitten with her. Yeah. So he ends up getting duped by his own dupedness because then he can't he's gone in too far. He can't just all of a sudden drop it and be like, okay, look, I'm not really text. This has all been a charade, a charade. A charade? This is all a charade. I didn't know, and then I saw your ass, and then I had to get to know you. <laughs> he played himself. So he, Yeah, he played himself. Okay. Well, when his pinky finger had to go up to show that he was a mama's boy... You don't need a pinky finger. Awkward. Okay, her hair? Come on. 
Teeny her likes her hair. I, didn't, I was not offended by it. I I was I was enchanted by it because I couldn't what? figure out the physics of it. Yeah. What were the other looks, popular looks at the time? Like if she didn't have that, what, what would she have? A bob? Then she would have taken the French roll out and had the back cut so that it went with the front. But this is like what I was saying with um, The Sound of Music, how Julie Andrews had short hair. And Doris Day in this, her hair short. Like all these pe- all these women have this short hair for a time in the fifties where I thought that you had to have long hair because you had to be look womanly and be womanly. So they had to have both. They had to have the floof in the front to go. Okay, I can I can roll, and the and the French roll in the back to say I'm pinned up and inhibited or i guess like the french roll in the back was that i do have long hair so i am a woman but it's just practical and cooler to have it up okay um i said gender thing i I felt like okay there was a whole gender thing with his pinky finger and like yeah gayness and such not being she thought he was gay because he put his pinky finger up and and he asked about fabrics or something yeah he asked yeah and recipes for his mom yeah Yeah. if only there was a there was a there was a sign that visible if only if only i didn't know rock hudson was gay until after the movie, I didn't know anything about him. So then oh. I felt bad for him that they had him like doing all these, you know, yeah. what they thought were stereotypes. And right, yeah. And he couldn't come out as who he truly was because he wouldn't have had any work. But he was more out than a lot of people in Hollywood were because a, a lot of his co-stars and everybody were like, yeah, like Elizabeth Taylor, and it was like an open secret. Oh, because I think that guy that we were talking about earlier, who was his manager, he, he squashed a story. The tabloids were going to air something, and they he threw yes. Tab Hunter under the bus and was like, oh, yeah. well, here, you know, Tab Hunter was arrested in this place. And then he threw somebody else under the bus as well to keep yeah. so that they wouldn't report on Rock Hudson. And, okay. and- in, well... I mean, it is kind of a nerd alert, but um, when I was reading about, he probably, probably, I don't know, but maybe probably it's a possibility that seems very likely got HIV that turned into AIDS from a transplant when he had his quadruple bypass surgery. And not wow, from homosexual really? I didn't experiences. Realize that. Well, I did. When I was reading about it, how he had the quadruple bypass surgery, and I looked at the date, I was like, huh, are we sure that that's not what happened? And then when I read later on, there is kind of people do wonder if that's what happened. Because I can't give blood to this day because I had surgery in 82 in Germany. Well, none, we... Like Adam and I can't give blood either because uh, we lived in Germany during mad cow disease. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Another negative nerd alert. She's on the couch with him, like totally making out totally with her stiletto still on. Oh, 
I didn't even notice. I don't remember that. Okay. And final nerd alert. She takes him back. Oh, well. Well, she loved him. Yeah. But and she totally duped her. Because he didn't... But if... She would never have gotten with him if he had come up and been like, hey, I'm Brad Allen. We're on the party line. Because she would have been like, I hate this guy. She wouldn't have never given him the time of day. It's true. Yeah. So she was able to yeah. get to know him. And he was able to get to know her because it took this misunderstanding. And also, we wouldn't have this. Rom-coms are based off of misunderstandings. That's just the central trope of these things. Okay, I'm just saying, if he duped her that whole time, he doesn't deserve her. Yeah, but okay, he, he looks like Rock Hudson. Oh, all right, my negatives. <laughs> I heard Mac. I'm sorry, about 10 minutes ago, Mac had a whole situation in the kitchen where he was drinking water and started coughing and sneezing, and so you're probably going to hear that. Oh, <laughs> It's okay if it's Mac. Um, the let's see. Oh, the five-digit phone numbers. She was like, "What's uh-huh. your number? Five, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Tweed one five eight eight nine. That was mine. Tweed yeah. one five eight eight nine. Tweed one five eight eight nine. T W one five eight eight nine. The fat shaming. Fat shaming. Um, when Rock Hudson, at one point he's driving and he completely takes his eyes off the road. For a a long time. time. A really long time. There was a, I have slap and punch Jonathan. I think he got, oh, when they went to the diner. Because he got really punched. Oh, yeah. Oh, he did? Yeah. 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 He really was knocked out. Yeah, not, but it actually knocked him out unconscious oh that's hilarious well change that move that over to my good reheatable then um what was my oh Thelma Ritter's comment about no woman's happy who lives alone especially yeah. if she says she is yes. I was like yes Thelma why are you why are you busting my balls and that was so 50s that was so 50s and I guess she was single because she, and that's why she was always drunk every morning. She would just go well, home. Well, that's what they said. If you're going to be single at a later age, you have to be drunk every day. But what's wrong with that? Not a motherfucking <laughs> thing. So, yeah, those were those were mine. Oh, yeah, and mm. also Tony assaulting Doris Day in the car when he was parked and stuff. Like, that's not yeah, aged well. She said no many, many, many times. Oh, my God, yes. Teeny, negative reheatables. I did mine. She did hers. Okay. Positive reheatables, I said she had her standards. Hmm? Nothing wrong with a woman with standards. She was putting her career above the bullshitness, but my positive reheatable is Tony Randall using an ashtray as a hammer. Oh, <laughs> that was, was yes. That I couldn't figure, figure out, out what that was. I loved it. <laughs> Many times have I used an ashtray as a hammer. 
Um, mine were all the fiddly fig plants. They had so many great plants in that film. Oh, I didn't even yeah, notice. Yeah, they did. Um, she had a Chemex coffee maker. I don't know if anybody else saw that, but she was making her coffee in the morning. And, it, you know, they still look exactly the same today. And it's one of the... Then I was reading and read that it's one of the 100 best designed products of modern times, and it's in the Modern Museum of Art. Wow, the coffee wow. maker? Uh-huh. Wow. Um, uh, her, her out all of her outfits. Her clothes were amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, well, I'll save that for my MVP. Oh, I have multiple MVPs. Um, so that's all of mine. Adam, do you have any good reheatables? I don't think you guys hit them all. I really liked when um, Jonathan got got punched in the face at the diner. That was a funny scene. Yeah. Um, because the guys over 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 listening to their conversation thought that he was just being a jerk to her because she came in crying and distraught. Yeah. And knock he it saw off it coming. About it. Yeah. And then he slapped her. <laughs> oh yeah. And, you know, she was crying. Yeah. He slapped her, but it worked. She stopped crying, and then these guys came over and. <laughs> but it worked. <laughs> it stopped him. Knocked him out, and then he fell under the table. <laughs> No idea that was real. <laughs> I think I had it as bad because he slapped her, and then I was like, "Oh, this is good," because then they came over and clocked him. Exactly. So exactly. My good Doris Day's gams. Yeah, she had some good gams. Yeah, the first shot is just her legs. I'm like, "Oh, Doris Day." Yeah, she had some good ankles from somebody who doesn't. I know. <laughs> the I like that the phone company guy was a murderino. Because when he perked up and went and shut the door, when she went to go, when he, when she was like, he's a sex maniac and a fiend. Yes. He got oh, up yeah. and shut the door. I was like, what? Tell me more. That's, what? Yes. That's, that's, that was a good one. Uh, they, he, he was a... Uh, Brad was on the piano and stuff. So I was just thinking just the sound. They they probably didn't, but it seemed that their apartments had better soundproof walls. Oh, then you do. If all these people I mean, are just able awesome to... Yeah, it's probably constructed better. Yeah. Um, I admire Doris Day's confidence for just being able to wear so many all-white outfits. <laughs> all-white. In New York City. white white is like purity blah 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 but yeah she could eat her dinner and not have any salsa left on her boboa area just yeah christine just had to get up because she spilled something on her white t-shirt yeah exactly i just i am so just people who can just wear white outside and live life i I just, I tip my cap because I am so uncomfortable because I'm just like, everything's dirty. I can't keep this clean. I have an all white Adidas like a uh, tracksuit that I, I don't ever wear because I know yeah. the yeah. I wear is going to be ruined. There's going to be salsa right here. Yeah. Right here. White shoes. I always cross my feet. So I'm like, no, that like they're instantly dirty. Yep. 
Yep. Um, the physical comedy of Rock Hudson, like when he, the way that he just getting had in the car. Well, getting in the car that was hilarious. But also before the car, when he picked up Tony and he just oh, had him over his yeah. arm, it was just like like it was nothing. Yeah, he yeah. was doing everything. He helped her put her coat on and had somebody on his. Yeah. Coat. Kind of like Teeny carrying the Christmas tree <laughs> up three flights of steps. With ice coffee. With coffee and Evian. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just go. And I think never be forgotten. That will the, never be The way that Rock Hudson kicked the door in when he went, well, this that's, maybe that's a yeah. negative repeatable. No, but that was a good explosion <laughs> kick. <laughs> I love an explosion <laughs> kick. Yeah. Oh, oh, and it it was going to be in the running. I guess not. But so the restaurant singer, Perry Blackwell, when he comes back and she knew that he lied, she starts singing the song like you lied, you dog. And just looking right at him. That is my MVP. I was like, that's great. That is my MVP. What? It is. And we are to MVPs. So I have a runner-up, Rock Hudson getting in the car, trying to get his legs in the car. That was total magic, uh, physical comedy. But the jazz singer singing, you lied, you dog, you'll be sorry, was my MVP. Yeah, that was good. Oh, Oh my God. Well, that was also my MVP. Yay! My runner-up. What? Uh huh. Go ahead. My runner-up was the cord of the electric blanket. Oh, when yeah. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. That's scary, anger. That's true. That's true. And that also, and then I, I guess it's a tasty nugget, but they, it was, um, his are his muscles were getting so fatigued from carrying her from filming that they made like a little shelf that hung over his shoulders for her uh-huh. to lay on top of. And. and- and there was, I mean, what did she weigh? A hundred pounds at that point? Well, there the, was nothing of her, and they still had to make a shelf. Because, yeah. well, he had a bad back. And then also that police guy, when she's going, hey, this, help me. And the police guy's <laughs> oh, supposed to be like, oh, hey, Brad. He kept saying, hey, rock, over and over and over really? again. And so they had oh, to do wow. it, like, so many times. And Rock Hudson was getting annoyed, but that's that's crazy because Rock Hudson's very first um, on-screen performance, he had to do the take took over two hundred times, I think, because he couldn't remember his lines because he was notorious for not being able to remember his lines and maybe having to use was, cue cards. Maybe he had dyslexia. I bet he was dyslexic. Maybe, probably something. Well, my MVP. Well, Poogie Man, who's your MVP? Um, Emma. Alma. Alma. That's yeah, mine. Oh, my God. The really? elevator. Yeah. When she Dude. gets in, like, all her elevator scenes, the oh, one time when she gets in the elevator and loops the the umbrella <laughs> around it, and she just yeah. looks at him, and she's like, I'm ready. And then when it <laughs> opens, and there nobody's there, and it just pans down, and she's on the ground. <laughs> I love no, her. when when she takes him, when she takes uh, Brad out to the bar to oh yeah, oh again, my Brad god, was trying yes. to like get some information out of her, but she ended and up drinking him yeah. under the table. 
he's he's gone and she's still like <laughs> she's still dude what's going on she's grabbing him by his head and the next day he's like i drank so much that my hair hurts because yeah. she kept yeah. like lifting his yeah. head up i think that was, that was my like it was it was a, a regular afternoon. Yeah, that was yeah. like that was a yeah. Tuesday for I me. I love her. He oh, said I was yeah. with her through the bottle of scotch, and then I made it halfway through the bottle of vodka. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love me some Thelma Ritter. Oh, me too. What about your okay. LVP? Uh, least valuable player is the whole duping and unknowing <laughs> woman. Man, don't don't lie to Ma. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Mine was similar. Yeah. The I mean, masculinity. Uh, I'll continue that. That was bad. Yeah. Especially the he, has, he has all the knowledge. He knows everything. She knows nothing. Yeah. And he's in charge. Yeah. Fuck that. Also, <laughs> another positive reheatable was the sound effects that we forgot to talk Oh, yeah. It was all like the I Dream a Genie type. Do -do -do -do. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Or the wah, wah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My least valuable was uh that rich kid, Tony. Yep. That was mine, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really. Rich kid, Tony. And he kept... Talking about how well he went to ha Harvard or something. Yeah, yeah, like that means something. Okay, recasting. I have three, three, three casts. I did two. I did two casts. <laughs> what? what okay, I'm gonna go with my black cast, and it's changed a little bit. So my Jan is. Jordan Sparks. Oh, okay. okay. So my Brad was, who would, my thing with Brad was, who would you open the door to and go, <gasps> not be able to catch your breath at first? I went with Idris because hello. Yeah. That's, yeah. Then I went with Shamar Moore. Yeah, oh, I like uh -huh. um, Lawrence from Insecure. Okay, oh. now my Jonathan with that cast is Anthony Anderson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's pretty good. You know, being the the fall guy, and my Alma, the comic relief is Tiffany Haddish. Oh, oh that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good, good one. I forgot that's the cast a totally Alma. good. Okay. So my old school cast, Jan, the Doris Day, is Sandra Bullock. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I could see that. You open the door to Brad, who is George Clooney. I thought I was, no. when I was watching this, I thought that Rock Hudson gave me very strong George Clooney vibes. Yeah. yeah. So Tony, to his George Clooney, is always Matt Damon. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh -huh. <laughs> but wait, my Alma to all of them is Bette Midler. Oh, uh -huh. that's really oh, good. Oh, come on. 
Now, my gender flipping cast. Oh. Okay. So my Jan is going to be male. Mm-hmm. But he's got to be gorgeous enough to catch the attention of Brad. Mm-hmm. James Marston. James Mar, I saw him in real life once, and he is very like I, I did, did. I did the, I the like not say anything and just stared, and he said hello to me, and I just was I just like I smiled and nodded. And I've been watching Mrs. America, and he came on, and I was oh yeah, we're using him. Mm-hmm. He's I think so, he's gotten because I remember him. I mean, I guess it's like twenty years ago now, but because I remember him being out there like in the 2000s and stuff being younger i think he's gotten more attractive as he's gotten older oh my god look at that face he was he was sight the original cyclops in the first x-men movie series he was just super cheekbones in like the early 90s and stuff and now and he was the prince in like enchanted or something and Enchi- amy adams yeah i, I never saw it, it okay was- so think about this okay so the gorge of gorgeousness mm-hmm. charlie's their own yes to james marston okay so they're tony elizabeth banks <laughs> okay yeah. so they're alma Nathan Lane. Yeah, that's good. That's pretty good, Ma. Yeah. Yeah. It's been on my mind all week. Pretty good. It's like the hardest part of the podcast. It is. It is. But my favorite part. Mm-hmm. Okay, other recastings. Um, our Jan was Scarlett Johansson. Mm, I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Our Brad was Michael B. Jordan. Ooh. <gasps> oh my God, of course. <laughs> Our Jonathan was James Franco. Ah, yes. And then our Thelma was Deandra Reynolds. Thelma. Thelma. Not Thelma. Alma. Yeah. Alma. Uh, Wait, okay, Deandra so- Reynolds from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? <laughs> yeah. Caitlin Olsen? Caitlin Olsen, yes, that's her name. (laughs) Well done. Yeah, that's good. That's a real good one. (laughs) Michael B. Jordan in any cast. Yeah. That's good. Well done. Well done. Aaron? All right. So minor... I I didn't really like uh, it's kind of a hodgepodge altogether. So I just was like, this would be a good movie and I would watch it. Uh, my Doris Day would be Regina Hall. Mm-hmm. Of course. My Brad, Eddie Murphy. Okay. Ooh. That would work. Jonathan, Cedric the Entertainer. Of course. And just off the dome, my, uh, my Thelma is I'm just gonna automatically cast Rhea Perlman. Just <laughs> Oh yeah, she'd be great. I just feel like he, here, you know who Thelma Ritter is because it turns out your whole career has just been her. 
Like yeah. her character yeah. on Cheers is just Thelma Ritter. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right, my other cast. This was just. I mean, because you you nailed it earlier. You already mentioned it before, but really, you open the door. You know who you want it to be. So, my my Brad. My all time. I guess this is all time. Would be Paul Newman. And then I know that's exactly when when she opened the door when the door opened and she saw him and she was speechless. I went, it's Paul Newman yeah. on the other side of the door. So then I'm like, well, who am I going to cast as Doris Day? And then I was like, the only person that I believe that could get away with giving Paul Newman the guff and be endearing is Joanne Woodward. Joanne Woodward. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. And that because yep. they were married in real life. Yes. And so then my Jonathan, I was like, well, how about that? How about that young upstart Jack Lemon? <laughs> oh. And so there you have it. What could have been? Wow, that was good. And oh, we we, it, we would just keep Thelma Ritter. If yeah. only Hollywood would listen to us. Okay, tasty nuggets. Oh, my tasty nuggets. Um. Oh, okay, I'll go. Um, Rock Hudson turned it down three times because it was yes. too risque. Mm -hmm. Too risque. I mean, <laughs> seriously. Um, Marilyn Monroe wanted to play Jan. Oh, yeah, I had that too. This is Doris Day's only Oscar nomination. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then I read a lot about Doris Day and Rock Hudson's friendship. And um, they, oh, so, and then if, if in his autobiography, he wrote about her, the trouble we have is trying not to look at each other or not mm -hmm. to, sorry, trying not to laugh. Doris and I couldn't look at each other. Um, you know that sweet agony of laughing when you're not supposed to? That's what we had. And Aww. I just thought that was great that they were such great friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just always laughing. They were. Um, and I think we already talked about the rest of mine. I had that in that diner scene, Tony Randall was actually knocked unconscious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wanted they, I wanted to go back and watch it again. Yeah, they practiced it so the dude didn't actually hit him, but he <laughs> hit him and he knocked him unconscious. <laughs> there was supposed to be a sequel in 1980, but it never happened. Mm -hmm. that, Those that's were all my you tasty nuggets. Um, yeah. I had the theaters wouldn't book the film because yeah, at the time it was all wars, westerns, and spectacles, and people were like we don't sophisticated films like that went out of style with William Holden which I thought was hilarious yeah but that's like real old um but Ross Hunter was able to convince the Palace Theater in New York to screen the movie for two weeks and it was a smash and then after that Ross Hunter had all of the power like then yeah. he couldn't negotiate um 
Doris Day, Rock Hudson, and Tony Randall, this was the first of three movies that they were in. Mm -hmm. They were also in Lover Come Back and Send Me No Flowers. This was the biggest hit of 1959. Um, The original ending... It, when she does the lights and stuff, it goes out and she's in his apartment and she says all apartments look the same in the dark. And then it cut to that was the end of it. And then they had to go back and put in that extra last button that's like they're married and she's going to have a baby. Three months later. Yeah. That was the only time in the whole movie it did like a. Yeah. Make sure Time she's joke. married. Yeah. Before she but then has it but then it was they were able to go back to that one last joke one time of like, oh, he's the one having the baby and oh, he needs yeah, to, you know to yeah. carry him back. Yeah. Good recall. It was nominated for <laughs> best scoring of a dramatic or comedy picture, best art direction, set direction, color, best actress supporting role, Thelma Ritter, best actress Doris Day, and it won Best Original Screenplay. And she was nominated for an Academy Award. Yes, she was nominated for Best Actress. She didn't win it. No. We didn't do quotes. Well, I did quotables through. Oh. I have... Yeah. He's bright... Other- what is yours? Um, he's brightened up many a day for me, through Thelma Ritter's character said that. And, oh yeah, the thing about the warm rolls. Never seen a boy with too many. The high, I guess it's the high so cost of are. living. Yeah. Uh-huh. Never drink anything stronger than you are old. Mm-hmm. And when at the end, when Thelma Ritter's with the elevator man is like, he said, what you need is a man to take care of you. Then you wouldn't have as many... Er, sorry, what you need is a man to take care of. Then you wouldn't have as much time to drink. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Or I like what she also said um, when he... What... <laughs> cracks me up. Rog Hudson sees Alma, Thelma Ritter, at the bus stop. And he's like, would you go have a drink with me? And she goes, uh-huh, in her Thelma Ritter way... I might have one just to be sociable. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> and, and you know, like, she's just a ragey alcoholic and stuff. It's, so, you know, it's just funny. And he said, he said, uh, come on, I know of a bar. She grabbed him and went the other way. She said, I know a better one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And my, might I say, there's nothing wrong with an, a raging alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Oh, there's Nothing a. Well, she wasn't a raging. She was a functioning alcoholic. Functioning. Yeah. Damn it. One time. That's so right. That, so that wasn't Bloody Marys they were drinking. I thought for sure they were drinking Bloody Marys. I did too, but no, it was a the hangover remedy. Remedy for a hangover. So she wasn't putting vodka in it. Was tomato sauce and. Worcestershire and hot sauce and raw eggs. Yeah, two and raw, raw eggs. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Ugh. I thought it was fun. Now I must say, my first time to see this, my sister was five years older than me. It was at my Miami University. I was in eighth grade. I went up for little sister weekend. 
And they showed this film. And at the end of the film, my sister shared with me, oh, BTW, Rock Hudson is gay. Even she knew? She knew. Because her choral master's dude knew that Rock Hudson was gay. So it was kind of like, dang, let me down and then let me down again. Yeah, but even even though I knew it when I was watching this, I was still smitten. He's He was a gorgeous man. Yeah. And, like, like I mean, I'll, you know, you're... You're playing makeup. You're playing pretend. So is it yeah. really that weird that, you know, just throughout yeah. all of entertainment and whatnot, it, it's pretend and make believe anyway. So why, why is that the deal breaker for you then? Yeah. And like, how hard is it to be Brad Pitt's makeup artist? You know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So next week. I don't know ah. whose week it is next week, but it ain't me. It's my week. It's going to and... be. Well, I apologize because it is a, a bit on the longer side. Oh, God. <laughs> but it's by a director that we've recently done. It's a movie we've always, it has been on our list. And it's starring a, an actor that we all love. Okay, so it's Paul Newman in no. a really long movie. No. It's not Paul no. Newman. No. And also movie. also it's up our it's alley. John Travolta in a really long movie. Oh, no. Sorry, my bad. No, only in your dreams. Yeah. James Stewart, anyone? Jimmy okay. Stewart? The, the subject matter is right up our alley. That's why I was like, well, it's a long movie. But <laughs> I think that when I say the title, aren't we all going to just be in? Directed by Otto, so. Otto Preminger, who directed Otto? Laura. Yes. Starring James Stewart. And? Also 1959 film. 59, almost 60. I don't know who... Vamp for me while I see who else is in it. Twas the Age of Aquarius. 1959 was an Age of Aquarius? 60s? Oh, all right, all right, all right. Oh, we have James Stewart, Lee Remnick, Ben Gazaria, <gasps> George C. Scott... The music George? is by Duke Ellington. Okay. What is it? What is it? I'm on the edge of my seat. Anatomy of a Murder. Ooh. I am so ready I for Anatomy of a Murder. I thought that we would. An American courtroom, American courtroom drama crime film. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I mean, come on, guys. The, co- the, going to the, courtroom, the artwork is by Sal Bass. I can already tell. Wait, Sal Bass, I've heard him before. Yeah, because he did all of the, the, like, the title sequences. Remember when we did Cape Fear? Because he did the title sequences for a bunch of stuff. I'm ready. So, 
yeah i apologize for the, i was like it's that long but i've wanted to do it for a while and i was like Come how on. long is it it must two be over two minutes i just looked two hours and 41 minutes yeah that's 160 minutes that's a three-nighter yeah <laughs> damn girl okay Okay, we in your wheelhouse. We got you. We're gonna do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, but but we watch. You know, that's three nights of defending Jacob. Not like I got anything else to do. Yeah, we're a nice murder. I mean, yeah. Okay, I can do anatomy of a murder. So we're all in. Alrighty then. Well, there you go. We hope you enjoyed our fluff pillow talk this week to jump into anatomy of a murder next week. Well, there you go. Bye-bye.